Welcome to the Digital Euro Podcast by the Digital Euro Association. In this podcast, you will learn about the disruption of technology in the monetary and financial system. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Digital Euro Podcast, the podcast by the Digital Euro Association. The Digital Euro Association is a European think tank focused on digital money, specifically the different forms of the digital euro. My name is Conrad Kraft, Executive Director at the Digital Euro Association, and I'm happy to be joined by the chairs of our recent private digital euro working group, Anurag and Juan. They're here to discuss the working group's timely paper focused on tokenized commercial bank money, entitled Banking on Tokens. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thanks for having us, Conrad. It's great to be here. Great. So to get things kicked off, Anurag, could you start by telling us what Banking on Tokens is all about? Banking on Tokens is is essentially the outcome of the Digital Euro Association's working group that focused on expanding our understanding of tokenized deposits. This working group consisted of industry experts and, and we explored various tokenized deposit structures, their various considerations, the benefits and use cases for tokenized deposit. Uh, we also examined uh, various challenges, risks and potential impact that are associated with implementation of tokenized deposits. Thank you, Anurag. Very interesting. Juan, could you shed some lights on why this topic is especially pertinent in the current financial landscape? In the last decade or so, there has been significant progress in new forms of money and new payment systems, both from public and private issuers. We've all heard about Bitcoin and the several boom and busters been in cryptocurrencies. Deem or Libra from Facebook, now called Meta, was a spectacular boom or bust from big tech in this space. And FTX was unfortunately a more recent hit to the ecosystem And in recent months, we've seen U.S. authorities going after Coinbase and Binance, some of the largest players in the space. But we can't deny crypto assets and cryptocurrencies have been a huge source of innovation. Just yesterday, Jerome Powell stated before the U.S. Congress that it's an industry that seems here to stay. In parallel to this mostly grassroots effort, on the public side, there was first timid interest in central bank digital currencies, but now there are literally more than a hundred central banks looking into them and already a few live examples, for example, in the Caribbean. So we see that central banks weren't far behind in monetary innovations. And more recently, there's been interest in integrating and interoperating CBDCs with existing forms of public and private money and with their payment systems even across borders. In very rough terms, private regulated issuers, for example, banks, payment service providers, and fintechs, haven't been very active in this innovation. There's been some progress on digital wallets and user interfaces, but deep innovation has been relatively absent. But that all seems to be changing with what we're talking about today, tokenized deposits. Thank you for that, Juan. Absolutely agree. Um, Now, Anurag, could you perhaps speak to the potential benefits and use cases of tokenized deposits? 
So, even though tokenized deposits are a relatively nascent concept, uh, they offer numerous benefits and exciting use cases in the financial landscape. They address concerns related to the introduction of new digital money, ensuring the preservation of credit creation, financial stability, and the traditional banking model. Tokenized deposits can enable atomic transactions and leverage smart contracts for automation, traceability, and irrevocability. This is going to make programmable payments seamless. Integration of tokenized deposits with decentralized finance or DeFi can also bring stability and regulatory compliance to the DeFi ecosystem. Tokenized deposits also align well with open banking, allowing authorized access to financial data and creating opportunities for open finance and open money. This is going to then facilitate the development of data-based AI ML programmable money services that can enable the users to set automated rules based on their financial needs and habits. And in the realm of also fast payments, tokenized deposits can streamline real-time settlement and enhance interoperability between different fast payment schemes. Now, when it comes to cross-border transactions, tokenized deposits address the inherent challenges By combining various payment instructions and value transfer, tokenized deposits have the potential to reduce the fees and the processing times, therefore accelerating the adoption of streamlined cross-border payments. This leverages the existing network of tokenized deposit customers, providing a simpler and and less risky alternative to stablecoins. Overall, tokenized deposits present a compelling proposition with benefits spanning um, credit creation, financial stability, programmable payments, open banking, fast payments, and cross-border transactions. Their potential to transform the financial landscape is considerable, offering efficiency, accessibility, and improved user experiences. Thank you, Anurag. It's very interesting to contemplate the benefits and use cases that these different forms of money are bringing to the financial landscape. Um, perhaps over to you now, Juan, uh, could you address the challenges and risks and potential impact that come with the use of tokenized deposits? Thank you, Conrad. Like any new form of money, there are many questions about where these sit in the existing legal, regulatory, and prudential framework. While we assume tokenized deposits are within the banks and other regulated institutions' existing frameworks, we haven't worked out the details or how they, for example, are covered by deposit insurance, lender of last resort function, and potentially government bailouts. There's also challenges and risks about the new technology capacities and characteristics. Will putting tokenized deposits on programmable protocols, sometimes called smart contracts, um, so that several transactions are done simultaneously, will that create unexpected risks? Will they make KYC and AML more difficult? Will they accelerate movements in bank deposits and weaken financial stability? Will the central bank remain as the monetary anchor of the economy? Will they make fraud or cyber risk more likely? Can we assign clear responsibilities for these new distributed functions? Will this give too much power to incumbents? slowing down innovation and competition later on? And finally, will users find these innovations useful and worth their effort? 
Indeed, quite comprehensive. Thank you very much, Juan. Uh, Anurag, the paper discusses regulatory considerations. Could you highlight some of the key points uh, for regulators to consider when thinking about tokenized deposits? As I mentioned earlier, the tokenized deposits as a topic is relatively new, so the legal and regulatory framework is still evolving, right? However, the framework should be based on existing rules and regulations that are applicable to commercial bank money right now with equal application of prudential conduct, AML, CFT compliance, consumer protection, and other lending requirements. And the approach should be to have same activities, same regulation, and not imposing additional requirements on banks that are going to tokenize their liabilities. And also changes to the deposit insurance schemes and regulations may be necessary to protect the tokenized deposits and prevent illicit activities. Regulatory relief and collateralization with with dedicated reserves at central bank could also be one of the things that can be considered. And tokenized deposits should be insured similar to traditional deposits and compatible with existing open banking and open finance initiatives and regulations. While e-money institutions, and this is interesting, have fund safeguarding requirements, these requirements as of now do not extend to tokenized deposits. And hence, the the regulatory framework should be proportionate and it should allow for competition and innovation while still applying banking regulations to, to tokenized deposits, right? And, and the regulations for the non-bank financial service providers is something which is, in the group's opinion, not necessary for tokenized deposits. And stable coins issued by banks may, may require a similar regulatory framework to address operational and security challenges, distinguishing them from, from cryptocurrencies. Thank you for those insights, Anurag. One, based on the paper and your study, what are some of the top recommendations for policymakers and banks when considering tokenized deposits? Well, my first recommendation is to consider tokenized deposits as a new form of money that will complement, expand, and enable other forms of money, both from public and private issuers. It seems to me that there has been a lot of time lost with talk that one new form of money, and there's always been a new one in focus, that is going to displace or be an excuse to push out on another form of money. For example, CBDCs, which have gotten a lot of flack for privacy and control, may be needed for tokenized deposits to attain their full potential. CBDCs may be needed for making settlement among tokenized deposits quicker, less expensive, and safer. My second recommendation is that we should speed up the regulatory framework. In the case of cryptocurrency and stablecoins, it's been nearly 15 years since Bitcoin's launch, and only now are we seeing Nika in Europe, proposed stablecoin regulation in the US, and related efforts in the UK. We should also probably spend less time on academic papers because pilots and real-world experience are the ultimate test. There were many concepts around crypto assets and CBDCs that were seen as crucial only a few years ago, 
but later did not matter when we got to pilots or went live with these monetary innovations. In short, tokenized deposits shouldn't be stuck in theoretical discussions or regulatory wars or regulatory purgatories, but instead be accelerated through pilots and sandboxes. Banks, payment service providers, and fintechs should ask this of their central banks, authorities, and regulators. I believe they can't afford to wait another 15 years to put these new options in front of their users. It's clear that users are every day seeing more choices from local and international regulated and unregulated financial service providers. Thank you, Juan. Gentlemen, as we wrap up, I'd like each of you to give us a brief outlook on the future of tokenized commercial bank money or tokenized deposits. Anurag, perhaps let's start with you. Well, I think tokenized deposits offer a very promising future because they combine the traditional banking practices with digital advancements. And, and they can then leverage this technology to streamline financial transactions, enable atomic and programmable payments, integrate and decentralized applications, and enhance the customer experience. However, there are some of the challenges which we have highlighted before. And one of the major challenges that needs to be addressed is the necessity of central bank money settlements for tokenized deposits. And this is something which needs to be very carefully examined. And, and overall, I think going forward for tokenized deposits to, to be successful, something which is very important is collaboration amongst researchers, policymakers, and industry leaders. To, to navigate these complexities and effectively manage the challenges ahead. Well, Conrad, I'm encouraged to see any progress with new forms of money and new payment systems because I believe the existing ones are far too slow, complex, and expensive. Now, I want to clarify, I don't believe some of the extreme views, both fatalistic and optimistic, that for example, Bitcoin is going to take replace the US dollar, or CBDCs are a huge privacy grab, or another weapon for centralized control, or that regulators and central banks are only interested in defending big banks and big tech. I have a more centered view on monetary innovations, and I believe tokenized deposits are useful and necessary to complement all of the new capacities that we are expecting as users. We should then embrace tokenized deposits and stablecoins and CBDCs and even combine them with faster payment systems like we are seeing in PIX in Brazil and hopefully soon with FedNow in the US. I think we need to settle the regulatory framework for each and get on with pilots and sandboxes. We should give everyday people more credit that they can simultaneously handle several new monetary innovations. It doesn't take more than a visit to a monetary museum to see that we have long been polymonetarists, frequently using more than one currency in more than one format. And despite how impressive some of these new monies are, they are just building blocks to the much greater potentials for money and finance when we start to combine them. A bigger risk, in my view, is that 
we continue to push some of these innovations into the shadows, for example, by insisting on enforcement, where they may even grow bigger and move further away from best practices. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for those final thoughts and this enlightening discussion on tokenized deposits. I'm sure our listeners found it incredibly insightful. Congratulations to everyone involved in producing this paper. It has certainly been a significant contribution to the digital money literature, and we are sure that many would find it useful. With that said, we are at the end of our podcast episode. Thank you to our working group members who joined today, and thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed it. Reach out to the Digital Euro Association via Twitter, LinkedIn, and on our website to stay up to date with the latest news and discussions around CBDCs and stablecoins worldwide. Be sure to tune in next time and join us in the quest to shape the future of digital money.